Welcome to NRL.com's preview of round 11 of the Telstra Premiership. My name is Chris Kennedy. Joining me is Marty Lenahan. Marty, thank you for being here. Good to be here, CK. And uh, our best wishes to Alicia Newton, who is uh, away on the road covering the uh, national championships up in Queensland. So uh, out and about, couldn't dial into the pod this week. She'll be back next week. Let's talk some footy, um, starting off with the Thursday night clash between the Cowboys and the Knights. Um, Not exactly two high-flying teams, but certainly a very interesting game in terms of the ramifications for that sort of a uh, bunch of teams battling for that those last few spots in the, the lower part of the eight. We sort of we feel like the top five teams might be pulling away, but um, two teams that really would consider themselves a chance of you know filling out those bottom parts of the, the top eight spot. Um, should be an interesting clash all up. It will be, mate. Look, I think uh, I think Newcastle, obviously Adam O'Brien, he seems to be sort of clutching at straws, pulling his hair out a bit every week, doesn't he? They're uh, mm. they're so inconsistent. I mean, most people. Uh, would have tipped themselves around last week if they had a beaten West Tigers as expected. And that's the problem. I think they're losing those games that uh, many expect them to win. And he's, he's pretty frustrated. I think you can tell in the way that he speaks. And I think on the other hand, the Cowboys are, they feel like they're moving in the right direction and, you know, coming along with the way Todd Payton wants them to play. So uh, I think playing at home, they're probably going to be reasonably confident. Yeah, for sure. A few team changes. Cowboys have lost uh, Cohen Hess after that head knock last week. They've got a, a kid in on the bench who I don't know a whole lot about. Helam Lukey, a, a lanky young uh, back row. I don't know if we'll see a lot of minutes out of him, but um, probably, uh, I guess, overall a positive that the Cowboys are starting to refresh that roster a little bit. Uh, Tom Gilbert, who I've got uh, pretty big wraps on, um, more of an edge forward traditionally, but starting uh, in the front row in, in Hess's absence. So a few little tweaks to their pack this week. Yeah, pretty stable, I guess, other than Cohen Hess. The short turnaround meant that uh, he couldn't get up in time after the head knock last week. So, yeah, Tom Gilbert, as you said, he's a good player. I think they uh, their pack is starting to get along, get them, uh, you know, good uh, good yardage and set the game up for the likes of Drinkwater. And and um, Val Holmes is really settling in and happy there at fullback now after, you know, starting the year, I guess, a little bit disappointed about where he was playing on the wing and, now back where he wants to be and uh, he's really flying at the moment. So as I said, I think at home, they, uh, they're going to go in very confident, the Cowboys. Yeah, like you said, Knights are a little bit inconsistent and just a, a few issues. Word sort of starting to filter through that it sounds like Blake Green uh, ruled out a couple of weeks ago with a, a ribs injury named in the 21 this week. Sounds like he uh, is going to be okay and likely to start um, partnering Phoenix Crossland in the halves and sounds like uh, Kurt Mann might be shifted out wider with Bradman Best in doubt in the centres. So it sounds like Mann into the centres and, and Best out. Blake Green would be a huge in for them. I think they... Uh... They've missed his stability, obviously, with Mitchell Pearce out long-term as well. They uh, they want that experienced playmaker there. So if Blake comes back, I think uh, that'll certainly make a big difference to the to their direction and, and getting him going forward in his kicking game. So that would be uh, be a big in for them after he's missed a couple of weeks. Role change as well for uh, Mitch Barnett, who's um, moved into that lock role uh, with Lockie Fitzgibbon's return, uh, pushing uh, Connor Watson. I guess Connor Watson was coming off the bench for a lot of the season anyway, but uh, the two of them sort of sharing that lock role with uh, Fitzgibbon back. Do you, do you like the, the reshuffle in the pack there? I do, yeah. Look, I think Mitch Barnett, he's an absolute workhorse. He'll just go the whole game. I think, uh, you know, really wherever you put him, you're going to get uh, you're gonna get great mileage out of him. But I think that's working for them. I think Tyson Frizzell, you know, I think they probably would like a little bit more out of him. I think, obviously, the, the biggest recruit that they've got there, and he certainly goes out, gives everything he's got. But, uh, 
you know, maybe just expecting a little bit more from him. And that's really where they're going to have to set the game up, Newcastle, in the forwards and, and match it with the Cowboys if they're going to get a, an away win, which would be a big one for them if they could go up to Townsville and have a win. What are you expecting up in Townsville? Obviously, um, you know, Cowboys hitting a little bit of form through the um, the last four or five weeks and not struggling a bit. Are you expecting a home side victory in this one? I am, yeah. Look, I think big crowd up there. I think that it does help the uh, the Cowboys. That they, you know, you, you get the good, uh, the big crowd, big faithful crowd there at, uh, at Queensland Country Back Stadium. I do expect them to be winning. I just think they're playing more consistent footy than the Knights at the moment. And uh, I reckon the Cowboys will get up. Yeah, I'm uh, leaning towards the Cowboys as well. The first Friday game, the Warriors up against the West Tigers. Uh, a Warriors home game uh, in their adopted home town of Gosford on the uh, the Central Coast. A um, little bit sort of, uh, I guess, it was a weird second half against Parramatta. They kind of came back, but they were just they were so far off their game in that first 20 minutes. It ended up uh, costing them the. Um, costing them the match but the fact they were able to sort of stay in it and you know they, they certainly looked a lot better once Reese Walsh got on the field what do you what do you make of the Warriors at the moment oh I love Reese Walsh I mean he's uh mate he looks like being an absolute superstar doesn't he so I think the more minutes they get into him and the more chance he gets to sort of settle into that side can only be a good thing I, I think Nathan Brown's done a pretty good job with that side but as you said there they just drift in and out of games they look most people didn't expect them to beat Parramatta they were competitive at different parts of the game, but they're just not in it for the full 80 against probably, you know, it's a bit of a rinse and repeat, as you said, about the first game. These two sides, again, are in that mix of somewhere between six and 12, probably on the ladder. So, you know, the Tigers came out and surprised everybody last week. The positional change that everybody spoke about with Dewey and M. and it came up Trump. So, again, a very hard game to pick. But, yeah, back to the Warriors. I do like what they're doing, and I, and I love seeing Reese Walsh's development. He's, uh, he's great for that club. How would you go about using him? Because, I mean, I, I don't really think that pushing Roger Tuovasa-Shek out of the fullback role, you know, as their inspirational captain, he's probably been their best player this year. It's it's obviously Reese Walsh's preferred, preferred position, even though he's able to fill a few different spots. If you put him into the halves, you've either got to move um, Chanel Harris-Tavita, who I thought was... Um, had a couple of mistakes last week, but he sort of he offered a fair bit against Parramatta, and then he was great in his injury comeback the week before. Or, or Cody Nikarima, who's been another one of their best this year. I'm just I'm not sure how you get Walsh into that starting side without sort of you know creating a different headache somewhere else. You're right. I think they are spoiled for choice in the uh, certainly the six, seven, and the one. I mean, we saw Roger move uh, that first game when Reese Walsh played at fullback and that was uh, pretty selfless of RTS but really it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to uh, to take away one of the, the best players in the game and an elite fullback to have him move to accommodate Reese Walsh and it doesn't seem like they want to do any more that uh, that happened once and obviously now Reese Walsh finds himself on the bench and that's um, you know he's sort of biding his time there and I guess Brownie's trying to work out the best time to get him into the game so it's a bit of a, a development year, I guess, for him and just see how he fits. You know, obviously, Roger is gone next year and, you know, Reese Walsh looks the obvious one to slot straight into the number one. But he'll just have to, I guess, bide his time playing. I guess he's playing 30 minutes, roughly, or 40 minutes if he's if they sort of need him on a bit earlier. And it's pretty explosive. And he certainly adds something every time he goes on the field. 
A couple of um, outs in the back row as well. Bailey Sirenham with his knee and Josh Curran with his elbow, both out um, from last week, which is a bit of a blow. Jack Murchie comes into that edge second row spot. Um, just on the Tigers, you touched on their positional changes um, before. I'm pretty sure on this podcast last week, we were all a little bit sceptical of you know moving Adam Dewey, who's been probably their best player, out of that halves uh, slot into into the centres. But um, I guess you got to tip your hat to, uh, to Madge Maguire on a, a one-game basis. It certainly worked. Yeah, look, he's been a man under enormous pressure, Michael Maguire, and I guess pretty brave. A lot of people thought to come up with that move. Dewey had been one of their, certainly one of their best players at 5'8", but you can sort of see the logic of him running. He's a yeah. big, strong guy running a bit wider. And by, by his own admission, wasn't having a great season. Um, you know, all the talk, talk earlier in the year of him actually moving on at some point. And, you know, they obviously managed to spark something out of him last week and, you know, it was, a, it was a fantastic win for the Tigers. When you look at some of the the poor performances they've put in in the last month and how low they've been, you know, just in their self-esteem and even the way they're talking about themselves, I guess, and then to turn it around like that. So Dewey's still saying he'd prefer to be in the six, but he's, uh, he's obviously happy to be where the coach wants him. And it worked an absolute treat. And Luke Brooks, obviously, was the other one who just stood up big time. And, you know, he holds the key to so much of what they do. I feel a bit for Moses Emboy. He's one of those players who I think he's a he's a good solid first grader. He's a a really good sort of systems guy or support guy, but not one of those real elite sort of marquee superstars who's going to you know impose himself on the team and necessarily drag a whole club along with him. I think he just needs to be in the right spot in the right system. And to me, his best spot probably is as a supporting five eighth next to a a dominant halfback. So if they've got Dewey, you know, shoring up that edge defence, I think was a big part of it because their edges have been shocking, and and Dewey's just a, such a big solid presence out wide having him by just kind of supporting Luke Brooks and just you know distributing some some early clean ball I mean maybe that is the, the best solution for them moving forward yeah I think you're right I mean Embi is a state of origin player he's a very solid player but as you said he doesn't sort of stand out and even last week as much as we're talking about how much the switch works Dewey was obviously the one that everybody noticed and we all noticed Luke Brooks Moses just did his job as you said fed out of some good ball um, you know, he's pretty solid in defence as well. So I think he probably maybe just felt a little bit uh, reinvigorated. It was a bit of a challenge for him to, to say, well, we're going to move our best player out to the centres and you're going to take the sixth jersey. And he did a really good job. And that's what you'll get from him every week. The, the Tigers, their challenge has always been playing well two weeks in a row. They're a side that can come out and, you know, put in one of those stunning performances that we weren't expecting from them and beat a team that we didn't expect them to beat. And then they'll come out a, a week later and, um, you know, just fall in a heap. So, I mean, can you see them doing it two weeks in a row? And, and can you see them beating the Warriors at Gosford? I actually can, yeah. I think uh, I think on the strength of last week and, and you know, keeping Dewey out there in the centres and they will have taken a lot of confidence out of that. So... Um, yeah, look, they're, they're a hard team to be confident tipping to win two weeks in a row, as you said, but I think they can get the job done. I think, uh, look, Josh Curran is a big loss for the Warriors. He's been playing fantastic footy and Siren. It's probably a bit of a blow for him as well. So I think on the strength of what the Tigers uh, produced last week, they can uh, go to Gosford and get the money. Right, I am. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to tip the uh, Warriors to uh, to get one over the Tigers. The second Friday game, a uh, bit of a rivalry, bit of a local derby down there. Um, technically, the Dragons' home ground, but it's a Sharks' home game, so they're still playing out of Cogra. Um, always an interesting, uh, you know, a fiery clash when the the Sharks take on the Dragons. But two teams that probably aren't going too fantastic at the moment. Yeah, there's a fair bit at stake here. I think particularly for the Dragons, who had that little glory run of four wins in a row, and everyone was sort of 
sitting up and taking notice and the, the wheels have really come off. They're, uh, they're struggling to keep players on the field, mainly through suspension. Most clubs uh, deal with injury. Um, the Dragons cannot sleep, particularly their wingers, for some reason. They cannot keep their wingers uh, <laughs> out of suspension um, and a few forwards as well. And Matt Dufty's a massive blow, obviously, with his AC injury. So I think Anthony Griffin would have been uh, scrounging around to fill the team sheet this week. And look, Cronulla have had their own issues as well, I suppose, in that regard. But, uh, yeah, look, it's going to be a really tough one for the Dragons. I think they have just lost their way a little bit. I don't think anybody expected them in in Magic Round, but the way that the game unfolded, it's a real dent to your confidence to get uh, to get beaten so easily to play a fair whack of the game without a player on the field. Um, yeah. You know, it was a pretty tough weekend for them. Yeah, it's a good point you make. I've never seen a team get wingers suspended so regularly. Usually it's the, um, you know, the middle forwards that, you know, slip up a bit high in the tackle or, you know, make the most tackles that get in strife, not the, the wingers. But, um, yeah, Mika Ravalawa needs to work on his uh, his technique a little bit. I almost... Almost feel a little bit of sympathy for for Tyrell Fulmay. I know he, he just he's been absolutely hammered. It was you know it was obviously a tackle that went wrong. He knocked out Ryan Pappenhausen. It's you know you, you, we know you can't do it, and he deserved to be suspended. I sort of I hope they're sort of checking in on him because he's um, you know he wouldn't have been going out there to maliciously try and hurt um, Paps. But um, you know the, the tackle slipped up and the outcome was was bad and it certainly didn't look good. But um, yeah, he joined the long suspended list for the the Dragons. And they're struggling to field a um, a seventeen this week. I think of the three send-offs last weekend, yeah, I think he was the least probably uh, offensive of them, if you like. I think uh, what Herman SASA was doing, nobody knows, having seen how the whole weekend yeah. unfolded. And to go and do that uh, was bizarre. Um, and Josh uh, Papali, he's, you know, that, that the shoulder charge to the head is just something we cannot allow. So I think he was uh, he was pretty ordinary as well. Whereas, yeah, I think, as you said, Fui Mahono was a bit, you know, these are the hard ones, I guess, where it feels like the ball players dropping slightly. Of course, there is no room for error anymore, and neither there should be. We have to get it out of the game. But, uh, yeah, there was certainly nothing malicious in it. But uh, he stood there, I reckon, for about 10 minutes while they looked after Pappenhausen, and he knew, you could just tell the whole time, he knew he could have walked off while they were looking after Pappenhausen. Yeah. He knew what was going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it was a tough one for him. And then, really, the game... The game's gone from there for the Dragons. If they were any hope at all of beating Melbourne, they certainly weren't doing it with uh, with 12 players on the field. So they're going to have to dig really deep with uh, with so many players out this week. And it'll be a good test, I think. Of uh, I mean, Anthony Griffin handled that loss. He was one of the few coaches who didn't complain too much about the the crackdown. He's been pretty philosophical and, and they've, they're just moving on as they have to. Yeah, they've um, also called Jared Beal out of semi-retirement. He's been playing Queensland Cup to come and help stem their um, their backline woes. So he's named in Jersey 21. There's a chance he finds his way into the uh, the starting side or perhaps onto the bench. They've currently got uh, ex-Panthers second row Billy Burns named in the uh, the centre. So interested to see how that pans out. As for the Sharks, um, just yeah, not a lot going right ever since they uh, they sacked the coach. There's just been a, a bit of a, a rabble out there uh, in the shy. They've got uh, Sean Johnson, I guess, a chance of making a, a comeback. He's named in the um, the reserves list, but um, yeah, I mean, expecting them to to find something. Well, I think they will if Sean Johnson comes back. Although it's got to be said that Moylan, I think, is actually having a pretty good season. I think he's uh, he's been yeah. going okay. Chad Townsend, I guess, has been a bit a bit up and down. So I suppose if if Sean Johnson returns then he goes into halfback and they'd love to get him back in there they just need that uh i guess that instinctive sort of attacking play that they've been missing um 
you know, Andrew Fafita came back. I gave, I think he, he actually went all right last week. So, mm. you know, look, it's been a tough year for them. And as you said, pretty much from the moment they uh, made the move on the coach, um, not a whole lot's gone right. So, you know, I, I think that's a decision they're going to stand by. And obviously come next year, they're going to have themselves a very good coach, but it was an upheaval. I think that um, seems to have really upset the, the rhythm at the club. All right, finish this up with a tip. A, a badly out of form Cronulla or a badly under strength St. George? Yeah, let's, uh, right, we'll, we'll toss the coin on that one. And uh, look, I, I think uh, I think I'm going to have to say Cronulla. I just think they're, they're possibly a little bit more stable this week. I think they've shown patches of some really good footy and particularly the game they played against the Roosters a few weeks ago where they had a good lead against them. So few promising signs there. I just think too many uh, dramas and too many key players out for the Dragons this week. I think a lot is going to depend on how um, Cody Ramsey goes filling in at fullback for Matt Dufty, who, like you said, is a huge out for the Dragons, who might have their best all year. Um, I might, I'll tip the Dragons just, um, you know, to, to find something. Sometimes you see teams with a, you know, a, a bunch of outs that the guys that come in really lift and, and do a job. So, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not sure who to tip here, but I'll, I'll lean towards the Dragons. Uh, Saturday afternoon, footy kicks off up on the Gold Coast. The Titans hosting the Bulldogs. Um, Titans, well, I mean, no one's beaten Penrith this year, but they didn't really look close. There was the SASA incident you've already touched on that uh, didn't look too good. Um, but yeah, they were a, a bit of a rabble um, in, the, in the face of a very, very good Panthers outfit. Oh, they were. I think, that, as you said, nobody thought they were uh, going to be winning that game. And again, when you, you go a man down, that's sort of all the plans out the window. I thought they actually showed a, a fair bit of grit in the second half. The game really didn't get away from them too much. And I think they can take a fair few positives out of that. So... You know, they get to go back home and I think that's that's another positive for them. And look, they're playing the Bulldogs who are, they're battling away. They're doing their best with with what they've got, which isn't isn't a whole lot. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a side that's, uh, you know, not boasting a lot of a lot of really strong players there. They've had the Kyle Flanagan issue to deal with. We all saw what he was going through when he was uh, dropped out of the side. So you'd have to think if the Gold Coast consider themselves any kind of uh, threat, of getting into that bottom part of the eight, they've got to be winning a game like this. Yeah, absolutely must win uh, territory for the, the Titans. And some pretty strong performances earlier in the season, but just the last four or five weeks, their defence has been really, really poor. They've conceded some uh, some massive scores. Uh, I think this is the second week of... Uh, David Fafita's two-week suspension. They obviously uh, missed him badly against the Panthers. They'll, um, you know, they're always going to miss him when he's out. But like you said, uh, if they're going to be serious about making the eight, they, they need to beat the Bulldogs regardless of who's in and who's out. What do you make of the Dogs? Um, you know, obviously had that sort of morale-bursting win against the Sharks a few weeks ago, but a bit of a false dawn, I guess. And, um, you know, had a game there for the taking against, a, you know, leading against a 12-man Raiders in Magic Round and then um, really just mismanaged the game and, and cost themselves badly in the end. Yeah, I think that really would have knocked the stuffing out of them too because that was a game that was, as you said, when Pabali, he was gone off the field, they were in front. You know, you've got a 12-man opposition. There's a game there to close out and, I think this is a recurring theme with these sides, much like Brisbane, I think, are the other one. When you're really struggling and you're shuffling around your halves all the time, we'll get to Brisbane, or they're up to their fifth different combination in 11 games in the halves, and Trent Barrett's made his call on Kyle Flanagan. And, you know, when that game was there to be won last week, that's when you need Avarillo and, you know, these sort of blokes to, to bring it home, and they weren't able to, and fair play to Canberra to, to dig in and win with, with 12 men as they did, but just going to be a long, long year, I guess, for the Bulldogs. They're just uh, 
they're battling away, as we said, with what they've got. Um, and it's just hard to see them winning too many games. I think on the Titans, mate, I think you spoke about their defence spot on. I reckon since the night they let South run all over them in the second half when they had a, a big lead, it's pretty much all gone wrong since then. Yeah, it's uh, it's been shocking. Uh, one little glimmer of hope for the the Bulldogs. They're debuting a um, a young kid in the centres named Aaron Shoup, who's uh you know played some rep coming through. He's not you know a what is he, 18 or 19, 19 now, I think, You're not expecting him to completely turn around their fortunes, but the fact they've, you know, been able to debut a, a young kid who's, you know, likely going to play a fair bit of NRL, he's, he's definitely one to watch. He's been scoring a few tries, I think, in uh, New yes. South Wales Cup. So, yeah. yeah, look, I think at the end of the day that that's, that's a positive sign in a team like the Bulldogs. You want to be bringing guys through and seeing what you've got to offer in, in the years ahead. So there'll be a lot of uh, interest to see how he goes. All right. Finish with the tip. Yeah, we'll go Titans. As you said, it's uh, it's pretty much win or uh, bust for them, I think. So too much at stake for them to be losing. Yep, Titans for me as well. The uh, Roosters and the Broncos at the SCG is the second Saturday game. Um, Roosters with one of the most shocking injury lists uh, in the NRL, but um, as they keep showing a, a team that's never going to go away. Mate, unbelievable culture, isn't it, that they've got at the Roosters? I think every time you hear... Trent Robinson speak, you just realise what a what a um, you know what a good coach he is. How much the guys love playing for him. Even hearing him after Magic Round, whereas a lot of other coaches were very uh, angry and wanted to be heard about the uh, crackdown. He was very calm um, and basically told everyone else to calm down. It, ha- it has to be done. Um, so I just think that they, you know, Sam Walker's obviously a, just re-signed with the club for another couple of years. He's coming through. He loves being there. He loves what he's learning from from Trent Robinson and some of those other senior players. And, you know, the culture at that club is just so good. And as you said, they just keep finding a way despite all the adversity. And uh, you would expect them to, you know, playing at the SCG where they love playing. They've got a really good record there in the last couple of years. So you'd really think that they uh, they would have too much class for Brisbane. Um, what do you make of the uh, the Broncos? Obviously, um, you know, it's plenty of uh, struggles of their own. It was a, a shocking night. Um, you know, it was a manly home game, but it was their home ground on, on Friday night to at the start of Magic Round 50-6. to six, They ended up uh, losing a couple of sin bins. Um, discipline was not great. Uh, coach wasn't happy afterwards. And uh, like you said, yet another change in the halves. Albert Kelly, the journeyman, comes back and uh, Milford's been dropped again. Yeah, I thought they were abysmal, Brisbane. That was uh, that was a really good opportunity for them playing it basically at home, at, uh, you know, in front of a, a huge crowd there at Suncorp. Yes, Manly were on a roll, and they're, they're you know they're going great guns at the moment. But I thought Brisbane were terrible. And again, Milford is the man who pays the price. I mean, funnily enough, they've won two games, and he was played in both of those games. So I think he was alongside uh, Brody Croft in one of the wins, and possibly uh, Gamble in the yeah. other one. And yet he's the one who continues to to get shafted. So, you know, that's, that's up to Kevy Walters. He's, uh, he's obviously seen something in Albert Kelly, who's been, you know, trained and trial with him this year and gets a shot and look, hopefully he can, uh, he can help get him around the park, but they just don't seem to have that. Um, I just can't see them having the stability or the, you know, to, to match that roosters, as we said, just relentless, the roosters, they just get the job done. And I think there's, um, there's just too much firepower in that rooster side for, uh, for Brisbane to handle. I just, I mean, we've said it before, but what possible chance do the halves have to find some some form and some continuity when they're, they're getting dropped and dropped and changed every two weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Kevin Walters is live or die by those decisions. But 
you know, Anthony Milford, I thought, had has shown enough in, in the games. And as we said, he was there at the two games they won. So it seems that he is going to be consistently the one that pays the price. I think Tyson Gamble, he's up to about his fifth game in a row now. I, I think he's going really well. Like, he, he brings a lot of aggression to that side. He's not a uh, polished product yet as a game manager, but that's all right. I mean, he'll get there in the end. But to keep shuffling it around and expect a guy, Albert Kelly, who's about 30 years old, to sort of come in and... Uh, I mean, talk about a, I suppose it's either a real pressure situation where he just goes in and says, well, I've got nothing to lose. I've been throwing a chance here and I'll, I'll have a red hot crack, which he will. But yeah, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to sort of get a game plan and get on a roll, as you said, when you're changing those key positions every week. Obviously, uh, lost Jordan Ricky to a, a crusher tackle suspension. So youngster Keenan Palacia comes into the uh, the starting side. Um, yeah, finish this with a tip. Um you know, we've sort of said it a few times, uh, Broncos a bit of a rabble, so it sounds like you're leaning towards the Roosters. Oh, Roosters all the way, mate. Yeah, I think uh, expecting another good game from Sam Walker. The, the other thing you like about him is just the toughness that he's showing. He's uh, he's already got a few injuries. He's always going to cop a fair bit of attention. He's not a an overly big kid at the moment. He's obviously still got some growing to do, but, uh, geez, he just keeps putting his body on the line, and um, I just think they'll, yeah, they'll just have too much class. Yeah, I, uh, I'm on the Roosters all the way here as well. The third Saturday game, the Raiders up against the Storm. It's down there in Canberra, um, which is one of the few positives for the Raiders. Um, they're a team that's probably given the Storm more trouble than anyone over the past few years, um, with a, obviously a couple of exceptions. But um, the way they're going this year, you'd um, even with the Storm having quite a few key players out, they're going to start heavy, heavy favourites, the Premiers. Yeah, look, they have got a good record, uh, Canberra, but I guess, you know, we're talking maybe a year or two ago, they won that final down there in Melbourne, which was a, a sensational performance. They uh, they always seem to have been able to unsettle the storm a little bit, but Jack Whiten is obviously a massive loss for them. I think, um, to be honest, I reckon he got a bit off a bit light uh, for that. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I thought that was that a forward on Yeah. Compared to a lot of the other suspensions, um, that was very calculated when you see a a guy's legs there, I reckon, and you just zero in. So, look, he's gone for one week. Um, Papalihi as well. So, you take out two of their absolute gun players there and expect them to uh, aim up against the storm. I mean, I think people keep saying, oh, Ricky will have them fired up. And, you know, and, and look, they got the job done last week. But to be fair, it was almost another uh, mitigated disaster for them, giving up another lead, having a player sent off. That could have ended in... Uh, tears for them, but they got away with it. But yeah, I just think with the, the key men that Canberra have got missing, it's uh, it's hard to see them troubling the, the Premiers. Yeah, well, Whiten and Papali are big outs, like you said. They've also lost Josh Hodgson again. Plenty of talk around him and his role on the team going forward and whether Starling's going to be the hooker and Hodgson now plays as a, a loose forward, but he's he's still one of their their leaders, even having sort of um, stepped away from the, the co-captaincy. He's, uh, he's a big out for them. They're still missing Jordan Rupp and a chance to go quick start at the back. So they're, um, they're definitely you know skinny in terms of what they'd like to be picking for their uh, their top 17. Yeah, I think that probably go, that goes for both sides. Obviously, you've got Pappenhausen out, Munster out. So, uh, Harry Grant you know, this, well, is, yeah. this is not a, uh, a full strength of either side, which is a bit of a pity because this would be a you know a real blockbuster draw card of a game if uh, if these two sides were at full strength. And if Canberra were travelling as we expect them to, which they're not, they're, they are really struggling. Every, you know, we all know what happened in those five second half fade outs and they almost had another one last week. So, look... They will dig deep. They're playing at home. Ricky should have them sort of climbing the walls and ready to really put up a big fight. But um, 
I just think the Storm, even with a few key players out there, systems and their you know they're just too they're too rock solid to uh, to be to be giving up. I think a, a loss to Canberra. We saw the storm last week. They obviously lost Ryan Pappenhausen very early, and I know the Dragons went down to twelve men. But with Pappenhausen, Munster, and Grant all out, we saw Nico Hines and Jerome Hughes absolutely running amok. Uh, Forty-four points to eighteen win over the Dragons uh, in the end. So yeah, you're right. Their, their system's amazing, and it doesn't really seem to matter too much who they're missing. They uh, they still put in amazing performances. Yeah, well, Nico Hines is that classic example, isn't he? That he uh, that he's been able to fill in there at fullback and and continue to do that whenever they need him to. And then he plays quite often on the bench as well. He's just a really handy uh, player that they can use in a a number of different ways. So I think they just know their structures, their lead, you know, their forward leaders are still there. They've got the guys who are going to make the big meters for them through the middle. And, um, you know, Justin Olam and Josh Adokar and these blokes are scoring tries like it's going out of fashion, particularly the Pox. So hard to see uh, Canberra sort of containing those guys, I think. It's a tip for the storm then? Yeah, the storm definitely for me. Yep, tip for the storm uh, for me also. Now, Sunday footy, I cannot wait for this one. Um, two of the absolute games of the season so far on paper. It starts off uh, 2 p.m. out there at Dubbo, the uh, the Rabbitohs and the Panthers. Uh, Bunnies boosted by a few big ins. They're still missing Cam Murray and uh, Campbell Graham, although Graham's a chance of returning via the reserves. But they get Latrell Mitchell back at fullback, who was so imposing and impressive to, to start the year. Panthers, meanwhile, 10-0 and just seem to be pretty unstoppable at the moment but um a tantalizing clash yeah absolutely it's and it's great to see it out in dubbo as well i think this would be one of the uh, biggest games i've ever had played out there so you're right it's an absolute cracking sunday afternoon of footy and you know penrith as you said 10 and 0 i think we've talked about a lot of teams with injury and suspension and this is a side that you know when you get on a roll you obviously need that little bit of luck with injuries they had it last year they didn't seem to have to go through too many players last year and the similar story this year, I think, you know, Ivan Clear has been able to sit down pretty much every week and uh, largely put the same team out on the paddock, particularly in the key positions. Obviously, Cleary and Jerome Luai, everybody's talking about them potentially uh, being New South Wales halves. And, you know, they're just playing great footy. And across the park, they are just, uh, they can do it both ways. That's They're, they're a great defensive side, giving up, I think it's seven points a game. And scoring about thirty, so I mean they're just uh, they've got the whole uh, the whole box and dice sorted, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I was having a look at the numbers. I went back through the NRL era, and they, they've considered seventy-two points through ten games. So it's at seventy-two points a game, easily the best of the NRL era. No one else comes even close um, in the ninety-eight to now period. I'd have to go back into the archives to find out when the last time anyone uh, came close to that was. So it's not just they're scoring a lot of points, but their defence is absolutely impregnable. Their their edges are slick. There's no way through the middle, and there's no way around them on the sides. They um they just absolutely grind you out of the game. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the the, the premiership sides, they always say are built on defence. And I think the best ones were maybe giving up, you know, 12, 14, 16 points a game, which is not a lot. And to give up seven uh, through 10 rounds. And as you said, it's to then go and be able to score huge amounts of points. There's a lot of teams that win games 30 to 20 or, you know, 36, 24. And they always come off after the game and the players say, coach won't be happy with the 24 that we gave up. So... You know, Cleary can look at uh, both aspects of their game and they're just rock solid. They're playing with great confidence. Obviously, the return of Latrell Mitchell gives South a huge boost and they're just a team. Look, I actually tip them to win the comp this year and I still think they're going to be there about. But 
just some inconsistencies, I guess, that have come into their game. And obviously the huge loss to Melbourne that Wayne Bennett said he saw coming, but uh, whether he saw it coming or not, I still think it was a bit of a shock. Yeah, I, I tipped South to win the comp as well. I, I must admit, I, I I thought Penrith would be good, but I, I didn't foresee them going this well through uh, through ten rounds. Interesting, you talk about you know you, you win a game thirty six twenty four, and the the players and coach were unhappy with the twenty four. Well, the Panthers walked off last weekend with a forty eight point to twelve win over the Titans, and uh, Ivan Cleary was not at all happy with the twelve. I actually went out to the airport. Uh, Panthers were doing a, a doorstop media on their their trek home from uh, from Brisbane for Magic Round. I went out and interviewed Nathan Cleary, who he was sensational in that great game. He scored a hat trick. He, you know, his stat sheet was absolutely overflowing with line breaks and tackle busts, run meters, kick meters, try assists. He did absolutely everything in that game. One of the great individual performances I've seen. And uh, I sort of said to him, you know, you must be really happy with your form. And the first thing he said was, yeah, not really. I, I missed a tackle that let in a try. It's not good enough. So it's just a little bit of an insight, I guess, into what the standards are like at the moment at Penrith and what their mindsets are. They can, you know, win a game 48 points to 12. And, you know, the captain has one of the best games we've seen from any player this year. And he's not happy with a a missed tackle. Oh, I think that's the thing. We spoke about the Roosters before. I mean, they were were the benchmark for a few seasons when they went back to back. And their culture and the standards they set and also the way Melbourne have always gone about their business. And now it's Penrith. I mean, they've won 27 of their last 28 games, which just does not happen in the modern era. That is... Mm. Completely. I mean, okay, they lost the grand final. Everybody knows they probably picked the worst night to have a, a performance that wasn't their best. And, and yet they still almost got out of that game. They uh, they got back to within six points at the end. And once they kind of settled into the game, I think they, they ended up getting close. So they are the new benchmark. And you're right about Nathan Cleary. I mean, he'll be the first bloke picked in the New South Wales side. And he's just playing a, a brand of footy that's... Uh, you know, he's just so good to watch. But as you said, their standards are so high. They don't want to be missing any tackles. They don't want to be uh, letting in even 12 points. You know, they're, they're looking at an average, as we said, of seven. So uh, 12 wasn't good enough by the way they're playing their footy. Well, uh, having uh, sung Penrith's praises for the last few minutes, are we uh, both tipping them to, to win even against a, uh, a Latrell-boosted Rabbitohs team? Yeah, look, I think it'll be a fantastic game. I really expect South to sort of find a bit of that form from, say, a month ago when they were really sort of hitting their straps. So I do expect a, a big game from them and particularly from Latrell. But I just find it hard to see Penrith at the moment, the way they're playing. I, I can't see them losing. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go for Panthers to down the Rabbitohs in Dubbo as well. Now, the last game of the round, um, almost the most interesting uh, right across the weekend for me. The Eels hosting the Seals at uh, Bankwest Stadium. If this game was uh, about four or five weeks ago, you'd say uh, Eels will do this at an absolute canter. But Manly's last uh, five games with Tom Travojevic back has been uh, just absolute chalk and cheese from how they started the season. They're going to provide a very stern test for Parramatta. Oh, look, this is an absolute, uh, as we said, a Sunday afternoon, the two games back-to-back, you couldn't ask for anything better. And, you know, Bankwest Stadium is an awesome place to watch footy. It'll be absolutely busting at the seams. And I think, uh, as you said, to to look at this a month ago, you probably would have said a 20-point Parramatta victory. But uh, Manly have just been phenomenal. And, and, you know, Tom Travojevic is just playing on another level and he's just dragging players along with him. And Guys just playing out of their skin. I mean, apart from the the class we know of Jake Trebojevic and DCE, there's other guys, you know, Morgan Harper and Josh Schuster and some of these other guys that have just come through and emerged and just sort of got on the back of what the the senior players are doing. And they're they're just playing great footy at the moment. So 
it really should be uh, it should be a shootout. I reckon there'll be a lot of points scored. Very entertaining game for sure. Um, I guess talk to me about Parramatta first. Obviously, missing Dylan Brown, one of the real great moments of uh, of Magic Round was seeing young Jakey Arthur make his debut. And I think we saw on social media when he came off and his dad gave him a hug. It was just an absolute uh, tearjerker, one of those real sort of great rugby league moments. Um, he's going into his second game now, Jakey Arthur. It sounds like all the players really, um, you know, wanted him in the team and, and he's, he's earned their respect in the, the time that he's been around that NRL squad. Are you expecting him to sort of um, settle in even further? further and, and continue to improve from what we saw last week? Oh, he looked, he looked right at home, didn't he? He's like the, all their uh, little brother, I think, because he's been around the, the club for so long and obviously with his dad being the coach there. And it was a great moment. And I think, again, this shows the the stronger teams, the teams at the top of the ladder have just got a group, as, as they say, next man up, you know, next man in, can do the job. Dylan Brown goes out. Arthur gets his first game, scores a try, very composed. I think he'll be even more comfortable playing at home. Um, I think you can expect another big game from him. So, certainly Parramatta looking rock solid. You know, I think they uh, they would certainly go into this game as slight favourites. But, um, yeah, I'd expect Jake Arthur to, to again, sort of uh, really stamp his, his class on the game. He looks a really good young player. Yeah, I was a bit worried about the Eels' second half last week. They were so dominant that first 20, and admittedly the Warriors were terrible. They gave them way too much ball, but the Eels were just red hot and able to capitalise. And they just sort of gave to get a little bit, I don't know, a bit frazzled, a bit away from their their game plan and um, let a few points in, and it sort of started to really open up, and suddenly there were a few holes around the, the Eels' defence. So I thought it was a few worrying signs for the Blue and Golds against the Warriors last week. Yeah, and certainly something that uh, the Professor Des Hasler would have picked up on. I'm sure he's... Uh watched the game a couple of times and picked up Jake Arthur. And I guess that's that's the downside of being a first gamer. And yeah, when, when you've got to control the game and bring the win home in the second half, perhaps, uh, you know, obviously Mitch Moses would have taken most of the responsibility there. But, you know, I think you're right. I mean, Parramatta gave up a few, uh, a few tries and a few line breaks and things that would have been a bit of a concern. I guess there's always a, a tendency, perhaps you can take the foot off the gas a little bit when you feel like you've got a, a team beaten and they probably always thought they had the Warriors measure. But there's yeah, certainly a few things that I think there that, um, that Des will look to exploit. And he's got a team that's just playing on such high on confidence at the moment. Daily Cherry Evans, I mean, we spoke about Nathan Cleary first in for New South Wales. Well, DCE, you know, captain of Queensland, he'll be, uh, he'll be looking forward so much to uh, getting back in that origin arena. All right, finish this up with a, uh, a tip. I'm going to go Parramatta. I think uh, that was the home ground advantage will be massive there on Sunday, I think, with, with Bank West uh, virtually uh, packed to the seams and overflowing with people. So I think, you know, they're, um, they're one of the real top four premiership contenders, I think, in, in 2021. So I'm going to say they can get the job done just. Yeah, I'm going to tip Parramatta, but Manly are in this up to their eyeballs. Absolutely would be no surprise to anyone, I think, if uh, if Manly staged a um, an upset win here, especially with the way that DCE and, and Turbo and, and those sort of guys are going at the moment. Yeah, well, I think if you remember back to last year as well, they uh, probably should have beaten Parramatta. There was that controversial uh, forward pass at the end of the game. So, you know, they've got that in the back of their mind that they, uh, they pushed Parramatta all the way in 2020 and Ruben Garrick scored the the try that wasn't. So uh, I'll certainly go there full of confidence. All right. Well, that is all eight games on the NRL.com preview podcast. Marty Lenahan, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you, CK.